Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. An on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe on this lovely Wednesday morning. Alongside from the Washita Citizen, Jake Martin. What up, Jake? Howdy. What's going on? Uh, quite a bit. We got quite a show planned for today. Plenty of uh, guests, but we will have time to take your texts and calls. You can hit us up on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. We got a number of headlines to get through, but I got to start with this one, Jake, because this kind of made my morning. Oh, lay it on me. Uh, we were wondering how Viking fans would respond to the Eagles, of course, uh, evading, invading their territory. Mm-hmm. So a brilliant idea has been concocted by some Minnesota fans. The only problem is now that it's out there, I don't know how well it's going to work, but it's still a pretty good idea. Uh, it's going to work. Uh, they're going to sign up to be an Uber or Lyft driver just for the weekend and then pick up Eagle fans and then drop them off at the wrong place. Brilliant. Yes. Absolutely brilliant because those Eagle fans are going to need some way to get to the stadium, right, yeah. and some way to get around. Anywhere. Yeah, whether they know about this or not or whether they're suspicious or not. It's it's gonna ruin their day. Yeah, I like it. I think it's funny. Um, you know, normally I'd be I'd, I wouldn't be um, too happy about this, but the way those fans have acted, the way those fans treated Minnesota several Vikings, fans yeah. making their way to their stadium, so then why not return the favor? Return the favor, exactly. You don't have to roll out the welcoming mat for everyone. No, just uh, get lost on your way to the stadium yeah. on purpose. Or just around town, just drop them off in a bad neighborhood. And then what do you have to – I don't even know how well, many bad neighborhoods that are. That might be there. taking a little too far. And the other thing is it'll be a little chilly up there too. So yeah. You drop them off in a random location, then they're stuck out in the cold. I think it's a, a, a funny plan, and I think it's a brilliant plan. Uh, a lot of different uh, tweets on it. Uh, one of them, there's some spots they deserve being dropped off at, and then the hashtag for Millie, the 99-year-old <laughs> fan. A lot of Philadelphia fans – did not have kind remarks for Millie during, before, or after the game against the Vikings. Got to stand up for Millie. Yes. Yeah. I like, I like it. it. Rally behind her. <laughs> uh, LSU Tigers rallied last night. Yeah. Snapped a three-game losing streak against Texas A&M. Shockingly, uh, they, they defeated Texas A&M 77-65. to 65. Uh, Tremont Waters, I, even though he still had a poor shooting performance, I, I would say he, he – Shook out of his slump just because you look at a stat line, 15 points, 9 assists, 8 steals, even had 5 rebounds. But the way he was able to distribute the ball is nothing new. We've seen this all year long. But the way he was able to do that and pick pockets all game, I mean, he was phenomenal in in creating those steals. And by the way, Texas A&M, 
had a season-high 20 turnovers. Mm-hmm. And that was really the difference in the game. Even though A&M beat them up inside and out-rebounded, had 20 more rebounds than LSU. Those turnovers, LSU exchanged those turnovers for points, and that's really what paved the way for the win. Four players in double figures for LSU. Can the Tigers just play the Aggies in every sport? Yeah, they need to. Or play them every week? They need to. I know they play them in every sport, but uh, they pretty much dominated Texas A&M. Will Wade was happy about the win after the game, but he continued to harp on the fact they missed some opportunities during this losing streak. Yeah, well, they most certainly did. But uh, I thought, you know, we discussed the change going in. I suspected that Randy Almaser would would start because this is a guy who – has made a huge difference on defense, and the statistics back that up. And Will Wade even said beforehand that I'm the idiot who hasn't been playing him enough. So he did start in this game, and sure enough, Texas A&M didn't score its first basket until the 15-minute mark. Graduate transfer from where? Like Southern Utah or something? Uh, something like that. Yeah. I, I can't recall off the top of my head. But, yeah, he, he's – you know, at first when I watched him, I didn't love him. Um, I felt like there were there were better options than him. But as I continue to watch him, and as the statistics point out, he's just so good defensively. He's active defensively. I still don't love his game on offense, but I think you can live with that if you're getting that production from him on the other side of the court. They snapped the uh, losing streak. They'll uh, go on the road now to square off against Auburn. Auburn's ranked, I think, the 19th in the country right now. You'll, of course, hear from Chris Boyer, the voice of the LSU Tigers, tomorrow at 8 o'clock. You feeling better about this team now? Or this is just going to be what it is? It's going to be a grind. Oh, it's going to be a grind, and I don't, you know, I don't like them to go to Auburn and win that game. But uh, LSU, I think, you know, I hope people aren't looking. I saw some tweets last night. Uh, some people were saying two wins against A and M, a win against Michigan, a win against Houston. This team is still in play for the NCAA tournament. Let's not get carried away. I mean, <laughs> it's like we quickly forget about um, the the needs of this team the, the the way how handicapped this team is because it it does have a couple of ways it can beat you but it really only has those couple of ways mm. there are so many more versatile teams out there and it's just because of the roster that this team has now do i think they could maybe go on a pretty nice nit run sure yeah i would like to see that uh sticking with uh, college hoops there was a big one last night, Oklahoma versus Kansas, and the Sooners get the best of the Jayhawks. Yeah, you love to hate on your boy, Trey Young, for taking too many shots. Well, he dialed it back last yeah. night. Well, he dialed it back from 48. <laughs> <laughs> you go from 48 shots to, what do you have, nine last night? I think he had 44 shots. Okay, I'm sorry. Or something like that. Yeah. I exaggerated. <laughs> um, yeah, he had nine shots last night. He said that he was going to be – more of a game manager and, and control, and he didn't take one three-point shot attempt in the first half, which was shocking. But uh, he is so fun to watch, mm. man. He is electric. Um, there's a reason why they compare him to Steph Curry, and I, I, I saw an interview Tom Crean did, and he said, you know, a lot of people like to try to mirror their game after Steph Curry. Trey Young's been the most successful at doing that. Mm. And I agree. I mean, you just watch him play. It looks like Steph Curry out there, a mini Steph Curry. Now, he's got to cut down on the turnovers, and I thought he did a much better job last night. He was 7-9 from the field, had 26 points, had 9 assists, um, was clutch at the end of this game against Kansas, and Oklahoma won 85-80. Interesting note from my college basketball, the fact that Kentucky is not ranked in the top 25. When's the last time that's happened for the Wildcats? 2014. Wow. 2014 is the last time Kentucky was pushed out of the top 25. Mm. Tough times there for Calipari. Yeah, 
He, yeah, and especially after they lost uh, Williamson to Duke. Uh, he he was not too happy about that. Had a, had a few uh, disparaging remarks for Duke fans. Well, and then he just basically pointed out uh, all the guys that are in the NBA making a billion dollars. Yeah, you like the way he said billion, <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that's more of a product. I, we all know Kentucky's going to turn it on late, but I think that's more of a product of how good the SEC has been this year. And I'm excited about the SEC Big 12 Challenge this weekend. you got Kansas versus A&M, which isn't as uh, – yeah, it lost a little bit of its luster since A&M got whooped by LSU last night. But you still got, you know, Kentucky versus West Virginia. That's a fun one to watch. I'm interested in seeing how um, the SEC is able to compete. And plus, Alabama versus Oklahoma. You got Trey Young versus Colin Sexton. So. What I'm excited about tonight, a big ball game on the hardwood. We were looking forward to this matchup last week. Uh, Mother Nature did not uh, allow this to happen. But tonight, we get Wasman versus Carroll. Two teams coming off wins last night. A quick turnaround tonight. The Cats and the Dogs. Wasman takes care of business last night. and win a squeaker against Madison. On the flip side, Carroll welcomed in Union. The Bulldogs won by a lot. Carroll beat Union Parish 80-52. So that was quite a statement last night. And it sets up this undefeated district showdown between the two Goliaths in the district. So if you're if you love basketball, man, you got to make your way out to Wasman High School tonight. I love the Belton Complex, but back in the day, this is way before your day, uh, young fella. Uh, the, the Purple Spectrum. I mean, just the, the fans right on top of them. But I got a feeling the uh, Belton Complex will be rocking tonight. Oh, it'll be rocking. Yeah. yeah, it's always rocking when these two teams lock up. Should be pretty good. Uh, last night we had uh, two good matchups in the high school ranks. Two great matchups, in fact. Uh, we had Delhi versus Tensaw. This was the number one versus number two in Class One A. Uh, Delhi jumps out to an early lead, uh, was up 11 and nothing against Tensaw, and they go on to knock off Tensaw. In fact, hand the Panthers their first loss of the year. I'm not shocked by this because when you talk to coaches about, uh, you know, coaches who have played both teams, most of them pointed to Delhi and said Delhi is probably the better team. And so I'm not exactly shocked by this result, but yeah, it's still two of the best teams in, in Class 1A, and uh, it seemed like that early. Early uh, 11-0 leave paved the way for that, that double-digit win. We may look at that a little bit later, uh, Class 1A. Uh, by the way, the LHSA uh, committee, uh, they're meeting this week. Uh, the meetings are taking place, and actually it starts right. uh, today. But if you look at the 1A uh, class and the disparity of those teams in non-select, I mean, I think you go down to the sixth or seventh team in that classification, and they have a losing record. In Division Four. Yes. Yeah. No. Or Class 1A. Class 1A. Yeah. Non-select. We'll check it out. But just saying, but Delhi and Tensaw, uh, very good. Big ball game out at West Monroe last night against Natchitoches Central. The Rebels gave the top-ranked team in the state all they could handle, but ultimately they fall 61-56. to 56. Uh, Does bode well, though. The Rebels were able to hang with the top-ranked team. It just basically came down to the final two minutes of that ball game. The Chiefs, with the experience that they have, were able to come up with some big stops, some big plays, some big buckets, while the Rebels could not. Yeah, I think you take a moral victory from this. I know that's a bad word for some coaches, but if you look at it, you know, what does the district championship really give you these days? Not much. So what you want to do is you want to be playing your best basketball by the time the postseason comes and, you know, losing by, what was it, five or six points to NACTA Central, the number one team at home. It's not bad. It's, it's, it's showing that your team is progressing. Cal Hill pointed out to me, and I could see it throughout the second half of the ball game, 
uh, just the difference. When you have a guy like Brian White, which Natchitoches Central does, their talented point guard, who's heading to Northwestern State, man, it just makes a huge difference when you have that leadership and that composure on the uh, court. Uh, he gave them the extra point or the extra boost there late to give them the victory. No doubt. Natchitoches Central can be beaten, though. Yeah, that's you came away not too impressed with them, huh? Just just looking at it, I think uh, you know Washtenaw Parish is a team. I know they just lost to Natchitoches Central at Natchitoches Central, but start paying a little closer attention to them because you're starting to see Katie Wallace get more help, get healthier, and I think he's starting to kind of find his way. He had 22 points the other night for them, so I, I think uh, his added contribution to the team is going to make waves in the district. Uh, other headlines on this Wednesday morning. Conference USA released schedules yesterday in football. Uh, tech schedule, you look at it at South Alabama, then they get Southern at home. Then they get a week off, the dreaded week off by week in week number three. Come on. Week three by week? Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. But on the bright side, you will have a week off to prepare for LSU. Mm. <laughs> an LSU squad that may come in at one and two. Oh, are we starting here again? <laughs> uh, LSU, then at North Texas, then you square off against UAB at UTSA, then at home versus UTEP at Florida Atlantic and Lane Kiffin, if he's still around there, at Mississippi State. He will be. Yeah, uh, versus Rice, then at Southern Miss, and then you end up uh, the schedule versus Western Kentucky at home. Tough stretch of ball games after the bye week in week three. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a challenge to stay healthy yeah. through that stretch. Uh, there are the few headlines. If we missed one or two, hit us up at 888-993-7762. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pain Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Let's go crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. All right, we're uh, guest-heavy in the 7 o'clock hour, but we'll have plenty of times for you to weigh in, or perhaps if you have a question or two with some of these guests, hey, hit us up. Really looking forward to catching up with old John Carr from formerly of Washita. He has a new gig. He's an assistant coach out at ULM. He's out on the road recruiting, but he'll uh, squeeze in a few minutes to uh, talk about his new job with Coach Viator. He will join us following the break. Saul Graves joins us at 7.30 for our doctor's segment at 7.45. Brooke Storr joins us, Lady Texas head coach. And then at 8 o'clock, Keith Richard, ULM's head basketball coach, joins us for his weekly visit. Ooh, guest heavy indeed. But uh, I would like to, in the second hour, go over some NBA with you. And I don't want that to alarm anyone. There have been some weird storylines taking place in the NBA, and I just want to revisit those, including the whole Instagram story with the bunch of Oh, yes. Please. Is he a little full of himself? A little. <laughs> Hall of Fame status. That was that was one of the most ego-driven things I think I've ever seen. Worse than Clay Travis, what he says on some On a morning? daily basis? Yeah. <laughs> it's on par. 888-993-7762. John Carr joins us after the break. The way 
you purchased a car in the past is changing with Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whenever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. I'm a certified technician, oil changes, tire rotations, state inspections, transmission service, fuel injection service, radiator service, power steering service. All in a day's work for Justin Snipe at Rick Breen's Rapid Loop and Wash in Ruston. It's family owned. It's not like a national chain where they have 4,000 locations. Rick Breen has done my job. He's been in the trenches. He's had to work from the bottom up. I was born in 1984. Our first shop opened in 1985. I actually was born into the company. Cody Breen, general manager for Rick Breen's Rapid Lube and Wash. What sets us apart from other oil changes is we're not a national chain. We're family owned and operated. So when you come into our shop, you're going to see the same faces. We'll know you by name and we'll treat you like your own family. We're not just about numbers or to rush you through it to do it as quickly as possible. We're also there to make sure that everything is done right. When you leave our shop, you know that everything on your car is in top shape. Rick Rick Breen's Rapid Lube and Wash in Monroe, West Monroe, Ruston, and rickbreens.com. Are you due? Grab another cup of coffee and keep tuned to the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. Welcome back to the show. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor holding down the fort at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Rustin and on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline, an old friend of the program, John Carr. What up, bud? How we doing, Aaron? I'm doing good, man. Not as well as you are. Uh, first of all, i got a lot to discuss with you. Congratulations with the new gig. Uh, you are now on Matt Viator's staff, a wide receivers coach and also a recruiting coordinator. What's it like, bud? I tell you, uh, Aaron, it's been, it's been an awesome it's- I got here just a few days ago and kind of hit the ground running. And, you know, the the, the good thing and beauty of it all is, is is how familiar you are with the staff that uh, that he's assembled there at ULM. I knew a lot of those guys, the area high school coaches here, and uh, been friends of mine for a long, long time. So so to get back and see a lot of familiar faces and, and, and have the recruiting area I've got and and uh, to be around old buddies and guys that I know is and to be back in the – Again, like the area, like you said, the area that I'm familiar with, and um, anyway, I'm I'm fired up and excited, and looking forward to it. John, it seems like it was just uh, yesterday, and I think now it was what five, maybe even six years ago that you left Washita. Is it a little surreal how it's kind of come a little bit full circle? Yeah, you, you, you're exactly right, Aaron. I tell you, it's it's uh, when I left, I uh, uh, didn't really know how it was going to work out, but I did know that, that I wanted to. Uh, Professionally, wanted to do a little something different. Uh, Coach Munkin, um, he and I uh, hit it off right off the bat and, and really enjoyed my time at Southern Miss. Learned a lot, the ins and outs of college football, and got to do a lot of things, wear a lot of hats, and, and see things from a different perspective. And, and uh, it was a great, valuable learning experience for me. And, and then when he left to go to Tampa Bay, luckily one of our coaches on staff there, Steve Buckley, got the job at Jones and, and uh, got back on the field and got to call it. And, and, again, just being in that experience at Southern Miss, learning a new little offense, tweaks in there, and felt like I was a, a lot better coach than when I left. And now looking back on it, uh, just the things I learned, the people I met, the experiences that I had, uh, it was a great opportunity and, and one, I believe, that helped me uh, to get the job that I've got now. 
John, when you were uh, the director of football operations and you go to Southern Miss, and when we talked after you left Washington, I said you were excited about kind of doing that aspect of it, the ins and outs of travel and other things. But ultimately, was it, did you miss just the daily interaction and the coaching aspect of it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you think that you want to do that kind of thing, and when you get there, you realize that, hey, I, I do. And, and luckily, Coach Munkin, the background of I had coaching allowed me to do as much as the rules would allow me to do. Huh. Uh, but uh, but at the same time, again, those experiences of just being in the meeting rooms and just being able to have the flexibility of going in the receiver meeting room, the quarterback meeting room, listening to offense, staff meetings, what you talk about, those things that you got to do football 24-7. You didn't have to worry about – uh, coaches teaching class and how to how to get your schedule around like you do in high school. It was twenty four seven football and and believe me, Coach Munkin, he didn't have a lot of hobbies, so it was it was football twenty four seven and 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 uh, but it was a great learning experience and, and one that I'll always value and, and treasure. But but again, missing football, being on the field, having a room, having the opportunity to coach guys, and uh, that that's ultimately what uh, what I missed. And luckily. Uh, I got to do that at Jones and, and get an opportunity to do here at, at, with Coach Viator and this staff is, is something I'm really looking forward to and fired up. You mentioned, of course, uh, Jones being there uh, two years under Coach uh, Buckley and everybody had heard about the Mississippi Community College and, and the JUCO ranks over there and how competitive and how talented that league is. Heck, your father actually spent some time there also. What was it like being in that league? It was fun. It's a competitive league. There's 14 teams, seven in the north, seven in the south, and you you have to take primarily Mississippi kids, so you kind of go through every little high school, and everybody's always, uh, you do a very, very thorough job of recruiting the state. You get to know a lot of high school coaches, and you get to be friends within that league, and um, um, it's fun. It's competitive, and then you get some out-of-state guys. You get, um, you know, a lot of Division One coaches come through that place and recruit, and people fly from all over the country, and and uh, but it's 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 an awesome league. It was fun, uh, very very competitive. And and again, looking back on that experience, uh, um, I mean, heck, that that that's uh, that's big time football. In, in the aspect of people think junior college, well, it may just be the odds uh, they're not good enough. It had nothing to do with talent uh, in junior college. It, most of the time, there's something kind of attached to that, whether it's academics or something that happened off the field. But the bottom line was they were very very talented football players and. And uh, so having a chance to coach that level and doing that at, at, at week in and week out, again, that was football 24-7 for me. So uh, it was a great experience and, and, again, one that I look forward to going over and recruiting that, recruiting that league while I'm here at ULM. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. John, put that in perspective. I mean, a, a typical roster or a lineup that you would see in that league. I mean, how many Division One prospects would you be looking at? Well, last year at Jones, you know, we had 19 Division One guys signed. So you're looking at, I mean, you know, on your roster of 55 guys, you know, you can't have more than 55. So you got 47 in-state, eight out-of-state, so you have a 55-man roster and 19 signed Division One. So that ought to tell you that, uh, and that wasn't just at our place. That's that's across the whole league. Most of them had, uh, I think that year we had 19, maybe East had, had uh, 17 and, Northwest 16, so you start going up and down the state of 14 schools having that many Division One guys, uh, you can see how the games on Thursday nights they were they were very physical, and uh, again guys wanting to try to get exposure and and the effort that they give each day and practice, knowing that this is the chance they got. So uh, you got some really good players. You got guys that were hungry and uh, and a very very competitive league. 
All right, Coach Leger leaves for a ULL down there, leaves an opportunity and an opening at ULM. I guess immediately it piqued your interest. Have you had in the past a relationship or contact with Coach Viator? Absolutely. You know, Coach Viator, when he was down at McNeese, when I was the head coach at Washita, you remember Aaron uh, Desmond Lighton and Jalen Smith. And oh, yeah. So we had some guys that went down to McNeese and played, and, and I've always kept up and admired uh, – Coach Viator and the staff at McNeese and the way they did things and the way they recruited, how competitive they were, the way they built the roster, the way they recruited Louisiana. And, and uh, so I've always we've, – we've stayed in touch. And then over the last couple of years being at, at Jones, I, uh, Matt Kubik, the offensive coordinator here, he and I were good friends and we always talked ball. And, of course, um, our, our relationship with the colleges go all the way back to the 70s. And, and uh, of course, I knew Manny and, and uh, I got to visit with Coach Leger over the last couple of years talking receiver play. So, anyway, the familiar, familiarity with the staff and, of course, the local ties and me getting back to Louisiana, all that played a factor into it. And, and, uh, and I'm just thankful and, and, uh, and extremely excited to be a part of the, the ULM Warhol family. All right, the reaction from Paige and then your uh, two daughters when you told them that you were going back to Monroe and the family is heading back to Monroe fired up exactly really fired up you know when we left southern miss i'm telling you now or when we left washita to go Anna had just made cheerleader at washita junior high mm-hmm. and emma was in the third grade Paige, again she's from around here so all three of them were were crying one day in the room and and didn't want to go and and uh so we got down there of course they made friends and luckily with facebook and instagram and all those things they kept up with all their buddies here and so uh, so anyway when it all happened uh you know, a lot. It's, it's been it's been awesome experience just to watch the the uh, their friends from the Monroe area reach back out to them, saying how excited they are for them to come back and all that has made it an easy transition. So, anyway, we're all fired up. Got to sell a house and do all that kind of thing. But uh, but everybody's excited to get back. Highly successful at Washita, compiling a 72 and 28 record. John, what have you found the biggest difference between coaching high school and then college kids? Uh, you know, Aaron, it's, it's not, it's not what you would think. I mean, guys, uh, again, once you get, you know, to college, you know, guys, uh, just their skill set's a little different and, and, but they all have aspirations want to play at the highest level. And, and so basically you got to just hone in on your craft and, and try to get better in doing what you do. And, uh, but you know, one, one thing I found out this area is blessed with high school coaches that are really, really good football coaches. And I found that out just as my stint of going to Mississippi and, and being on the Southern Miss staff and, and being at Jones, that there's a lot, a lot of good football coaches out there and a lot of good football coaches here in this state, and not just head coaches, assistant coaches and everything else, and guys are getting coached up. But, but basically when you get to here, you just got to hone in on the skills that you got and, uh, and try to be a, develop, a better receiver. And maybe in college you don't have the two-way player like you may in high school and those kind of things. You just get a little more time to hone in on the craft and, and then spend a little bit more individual time uh, than you do in high school, but uh, but the hunger's there. We got guys that are all have aspirations of playing at the highest level, and it's my job to try to help those receivers reach their goals. As the uh, recruiting coordinator, also, and with your deep ties now to Mississippi and Northeast Louisiana, what will that will your job responsibilities be with that role? Well, I think what we'll do is just as a staff try to hone in. I think Coach Viator has done a great job of trying to to get that five-hour circle around Monroe and make sure that we do our due diligence here locally and make sure that we, we don't go outside of that area to try to go chase down guys and neglect our, our main area. So basically all we're going to try to do is organize it with the guys that are on the road and make sure that we recruit the, the state extremely well, make sure that we, uh, we do a good job here locally, 
and uh, and try to recruit the guys that we have a general interest in in that in that area, and um, and just make sure that that we do. Again, my job is just to make sure those all our guys as we go out and recruit uh, do our due diligence and not pass over local guys and guys that want to be a, be a warhawk and and that we know can help us win and and, and compete for championships. And the beauty of it, you're coming on a staff that nobody has to tell you this offense was certainly fun to watch last year, and you're going to have a couple of uh, receivers coming back, including uh, Marcus Green, an All-American on the uh, return end of it. So uh, some exciting playmakers for you to work with. Exactly. And when you go through the roster and look at the the talent level from top to bottom, the depth from top to bottom, uh, the the, – the results that they had last year at that position in that room, I'm excited to get in, in the receiver room, work with them, help them develop them, and, and uh, continue on what they started last year and, and keep building on what we're doing on offense. And, and uh, But it's a good group to work with. I've already met most of them, and, and uh, so I'm, I'm excited, and, uh, and I think the best days are ahead for ULM. John, I'm happy for you. Welcome back to Northeast Louisiana. I know you're on a whirlwind tour. We'll probably see you around uh, National Signing Day. Thanks for the time, bud. Hey, thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it. John Carr, new uh, assistant coach over at ULM. Great hire for the world. Home run hire. Yeah, home run hire. Those ties to the the JUCO ranks in Mississippi. I mean, you heard him breaking down the roster and the number of playmakers Mm -hmm. over there. I mean, all you got to do is look at, uh, heck, Lindsey Scott, the year that he had over there and others. I mean, he's just one of many. Isaiah Bugs, the impact that he made immediately for Alabama this year. He's one of those guys that, you know, things didn't, you know, he kind of fell through the cracks a little bit in the high school ranks. He goes to the JUCO ranks. Next thing you know, he's playing for a national championship with Alabama. Those are just sort, some of the players that you see in those ranks. And, of course, the ties that now he has with the JUCO ranks. It, plus the ties he has here yeah. already. Yeah. This is going to be a big help for you alone. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, our doctor segment, Dr. Saul Graves joins us after the break. Don't get blindsided by health care costs. Call Vantage Health Plan today. We've teamed up with a network of local providers in order to provide better health care to our area. Vantage crushes the competition with affordable plans. Find out more information on how to join our winning team. Call Vantage Health Plan today at 1-888-823-1910 or go online to VantageHealthPlan.com. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing with Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. We'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. The North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic is dedicated to helping you get back to your old self, maybe even better. 
Whether a sports-related injury or an accident in daily life has you sidelined, let the progressive all-star team of physicians, therapists, and professional staff at North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic provide superior service and results. Visit us at MonroeOrtho.com to schedule your appointment at one of our three locations in Ruston, West Monroe, or 1501 Louisville Avenue in Monroe. It's time for the Morning Drive's weekly visit with the sports medicine doctors at North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic. Welcome back to the show. We love catching up with our doctors. Dr. Saul Graves joins us today on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. How you doing this morning, Saul? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Saul, before we get to some medical questions, I think we're all kind of uh, now pulling Perhaps not for the Eagles, but certainly for our former ULM quarterback, uh, Doug Peterson, and the job that he has done with Philadelphia this year. Uh, what's your take just on uh, the, the the rise of Peterson in the coaching ranks in literally a decade? Well, I think obviously, even if you even if we didn't know him, it, it's a it, it's an unbelievable story. Just just what he's been able to do, what he's been able to do as a as a second year head coach. Uh, you know, I actually got to know. Doug, when we were both playing in college, um, mm. while he was at ULM and I was at LSU, it was a few times where um, when I would come home, we would get together and, and throw out at ULM, and and I just got to know him as a person. Um, you know, didn't spend a lot of time with him, but yeah. just the, the small amount of time that I was around him, you know, just was very impressed with him. He was a likable guy, you know, easy to talk to. Obviously, had a great um, relationship with with his receivers that were there, and, and so you could just tell that he's a he was a leader and, and a guy that, that was making a big impact, obviously, at that time at Northeast. And and then I also got to, to watching Coach at Calvary. And um, I can honestly say, you know, and I, and I see a lot of coaches with the, the amount of games that I see at the high school and college level. I mean, I, I think of, of any, any coach that I've seen, he made uh, as big an impression on me as anyone has, the way he was coaching um, and the things that he was doing. Uh, at Calvary, and, and really at that time when he was coaching, I mean they had really good players, but they, they didn't have you know some of the players that they would have later on. I and mean, he, he was just yeah. building that program, and and the things he did there. And I, I I had no idea that he had aspirations to go in into professional football or go back into professional football. I, I just thought he was going to be a great high school coach, and and then to see you know what he did, you know, in, in the um, the guys that he's learned from, whether it was from playing and 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 coaching. Obviously, I guess Andy Reid had a big impact on him and um and i just i just love what he's done there and, and certainly it makes it a lot more fun to to watch a guy that you know that, that that's uh uh that has a lot of ties to this area all right so a couple of medical questions we got to start with the huge story from this past week i'm sure your ears perked up just like everybody else when you heard that tom brady had a hand injury leading into last week's game and then the news comes out that he reportedly had 12 stitches with a sprained ligament in the thumb. First of all, how often, how common is it for a player to cut his hand on someone on a teammate's helmet? And then how do you handle a situation or an injury like this with a quarterback? Yeah, well, obviously it's, it's unusual for a quarterback to have that happen. You know, you know, because, because people play with, with helmets and, and and there's chin straps and, and snaps and, and all those kind of things. I mean, obviously it's easy to, to get cuts on your hands from time to time. You know, even even you know people get stepped on by cleats, all those kind of things. And so that's not uncommon to have that happen. Uh, but obviously, when when your right hand is is what uh, makes things happen, it makes it a lot a lot scarier situation. And so I, honestly, when when the 
when the news broke that he had an injury to his thumb, um, the first thing I thought was was maybe a fractured thumb or a bad sprain, and and you know I thought, man, this is going to be a, a hard thing for him to to deal with. And and and, and with, as a quarterback, a lot of times that happens when you're throwing a football and and you release the ball. You know, oftentimes your thumb will come down and hit somebody else's helmet. So I think the fact that it was really more of a, a cut. Um, even though that obviously that sore, and he talked about how it was very, very sore initially, um, I think that's a lot easier to deal with than if it's an injury to the bone. And um, now I don't know how severe his sprain was, but you know, the, when watching him play, it didn't look like it affected him too much because he threw the ball just as well as he ever does, including in the clutch at the end, and, and just a uh, you know a great touchdown pass to uh, <clears throat> to Amendola. So you know, obviously, it, it I'm sure it scared them and it scared him, but. Uh, you know, fortunately for him, it was more of a soft tissue thing and not and not an injury to the bone. Then as a medical staff, you have to come up with the proper way to bandage it, but also, you know, give him some protection, but also the comfort level. Uh, you want your Hall of Fame quarterback to be out there uh, feeling comfortable knowing he can still get the job done throwing the ball and still has the touch that he needs. That's right. And you, and you saw they kind of came up with the way to, to bandage it. And obviously, anytime you have an infection, you, know, you worry about it. I mean, anytime you have a, a laceration like that, you worry about infection. And um, you know, obviously, they weren't going to keep him out of that game to to keep it from getting infected. But you know, you saw they came up with a way to wrap his thumb. And and you know, if it's on if it was on the back of the thumb, yeah, I never really got a look at what the where the laceration really was. But if it's on the back of the thumb, you actually could inject that uh, and numb it up so it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt so bad. The problem is if it's on the other side of the thumb and you inject it, then you lose feeling. Um, and sensation, and, and you know, no quarterback would want that because it affects the, the way they throw the football. So, um, you know, you, you could tell they they had you know they were they had come up with some some ways to tape, but they were using um, some some glue to kind of hold it down so the so the um, so the tape didn't come up. So anyway, you, you, obviously they're they're going to do whatever they can to make sure uh, Tom Brady's out there playing. The beauty of it now, he gets uh, two weeks to get it uh, fully recovered. Typically, how long before uh, those stitches would come out? Yeah, usually it's about uh, ten days. It's, it's kind of the, the um, you know, you just want to make sure that when you take them out, you know, the, the, obviously you don't want it to dehiss or open back up. And I might even tend to leave them in a little bit longer um, in somebody like like him, who's not going to be able to rest his hand, who's going to continue to to do things with it, just because the the motion of the joint is going to put stress. On that um, on that repair and, and and the healing process, so you might tend to leave them in two weeks in that case, but you know, typically it's about ten days. Doctor Saul Graves joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Uh, Saul, the other big story in that game, uh, Gronk goes down with a concussion. Should there be any concern that he won't be ready for the Super Bowl, or what tests will he have to pass to make sure that he is playing in the big game? Yeah, well, you know, obviously, you know, anytime you have a concussion, there's that there's that um, concern. Uh, the good thing about him, and what you mentioned a while ago, is that they've got two weeks. Uh, it's really, really difficult if you have a if you have a significant co- concussion, uh, although it can happen, but it's difficult sometimes to come back within a week, and that, that is because of the concussion protocol. Which, which uh, first of all, you've got to be completely asymptomatic for 48 hours before you even enter the protocol, um, and so. Um, you know, so let's just say he had a concussion on on uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, let's say he felt good on Monday, felt good on Tuesday. So, so if that's the case, if, if he's been asymptomatic for a couple of days, and he would start that protocol uh, today, and, and typically that takes about four or five days to to get through. And, and what they'll do is they'll they'll start him off with 
with some light sort of aerobic activity um, and then kind of progress his activity each day until he has contact. And, it, and if any, at any point during that time period, if he develops symptoms again, uh, you know, whatever that might be, look like whether it be headache or, or dizziness or, or trouble with vision, um, trouble with memory, all, all those kind of things, if at any point during that protocol he becomes symptomatic, well, the um, what you have to do is you have to stop completely what, what you're doing and then allow him to become asymptomatic again for 48 hours, and then you start the whole prospect prospect or process back over again and so i think with with the way um you know again with them having two weeks i think they'll take it very very slow this week and with the hopes of letting him completely recover so you don't have to to get in it and, and start back over and then uh, I, I look for him though to be able to be back uh, obviously for the super bowl college and baseball softball teams getting ready to hit the field as practices get underway uh, later this week some pretty big news down in lafayette this week Cajun's ace, uh, Gunnar Leger, will be sitting out this season. He's dealing with two significant injuries, uh, one of them first dealing with his uh, elbow. He will not need a Tommy John surgery, but he did have a uh, procedure on July 13th. And uh, the procedure featured uh, something I thought was kind of unique or the way Leger described it. That was the other part of this story that I thought was pretty fascinating, just how forthcoming they were with the information but Leger described the procedure as you wrap the ligament kind of like you would tie a piece of meat you were about to cook. Uh, what did Leger have done? And the fact that he didn't have not, didn't have to have Tommy John surgery that has to bode, bode well for his future. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about the wrapping the meat uh, that you're yeah. about to cook. I'm not sure that's a, that's the best way to describe the procedure he had. But um, it's really a fascinating procedure that he had, and, and actually the guy who who described it. Or who who um, who really introduced it was was a guy named Jeff Dugai, who is a um, um, an orthopedic surgeon in Birmingham. Actually worked under um, Dr. Andrews, and, and he's also the team doctor for for, for Troy. And I've got to know him uh, just um, in that sense. You know, covering you know both of us covering uh, Sun Belt teams, and we and we have a meeting every summer where I've got to spend some time uh, talking to him about it. And um, Actually, you know, of course, everybody knows the Tommy John surgery where you actually go in and, and reconstruct the ligament. You take a you take a tendon from somewhere else and you and you totally reconstruct the ligament. And and what he was finding is, especially in a lot of younger um, throwers, is that in many cases the ligament is, is really in, in pretty good shape. It may be just be an avulsion uh, from the bone, or it may just be a partial tear. Um, unlike, say, a you know a, a 30-year-old baseball pitcher whose ligament is completely worn out. So he's like, you know, we're taking out a, a good ligament and we're putting in another one. So why can't we why can't we try to repair the ligament that they already have? And so what he came up with was a way to augment that repair, and that's where the collagen tape uh, comes in. So so basically, you go in and you repair the tear that's in the in the normal ligament, and then you you put this collagen tape that that sort of spans. Um, the origin and insertion of the ligament. So it basically just helps reinforce the repair. It, it makes it a much stronger uh, construct as well. And, and another good thing about it is that it, it allows them to come back to pitching much, much quicker, whereas with a Tommy John surgery, uh, you know, you don't even start getting into a throwing program until about six months or so after the surgery. And in many cases, it can be a year to two years before you come back from that. However, with this particular procedure, you can get in a throwing program at about 10 weeks, and um, obviously your chance to come back to pitching uh, is much sooner. And so 
um, you know, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a really, uh, the, the, the early, um, studies on it has shown great success so far. And it obviously since it's a new procedure, it hadn't been done, uh, as much as the, you know, the tried and true Tommy John surgery, but it looks like it, it's going to show a lot of promise to, uh, to maybe get some athletes back quicker. In the second part of it, he had another surgery in October. Lege, uh, just looking like a mash unit at this point, uh, had to remove an 11-inch cyst in his femur bone. Uh, they put up a procedure that would have involved a canal through the femur with a bone graft. Uh, a bone graft instead was inserted. Instead, they inserted a rod into the bone after the cyst was removed. So certainly, uh, this was also a scary uh, procedure that, or potentially that he could have had to go through. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, well, that's something we don't. I don't think we've ever talked about that on this, on this show. Is a bone cyst, and, and oftentimes we will find you know, a, a bone cyst just um, um, incidentally. Will we'll, someone will come in for a problem, and we'll take an X-ray, and, and um, on that X-ray we'll see a cyst in the bone, and, and many people will have that, and, and it's a it's a benign thing. It's not like it, it's a, it's cancerous, but or uh, malignant. But it can it can cause problems when it begins to take up a lot of space in the bone because obviously it weakens the bone and and as big as he describes the one in, in his in his leg, um, obviously the the concern is that you could actually break the, the femur, the bone in the leg where that cyst is and and so in his case, it, you know, not knowing all the details, but it sounds like you know, there's a couple of options. One option is to go in and and basically just graft the cyst um, and just allow it to heal. Um, and, and the problem with that is that while you're allowed to heal, you really can't do much. You've got to um, really stay off your leg so you don't risk the potential of it breaking. And then once the cyst heals in, uh, then you can go back to doing normal activity. Well, it sounds like that they chose an option that, where he can be a little bit more active by putting a rod down the center of the bone, uh, which is going to stabilize that bone. And so the cyst is not the bone's not going to break because of the cyst. Then they went in and grafted the cyst as well. Um, so they can go ahead and heal up. And, um, and so it sounds like because of the combination of those two things that, um, you know, he's decided to, to redshirt this year and probably the wisest decision just because it'll give him, you know, a whole year next year to pitch, whereas he probably would only been able to, uh, to pitch for part of the year, if at all, uh, this year. Saul, so if uh, listeners out there need your assistance or your colleagues, where can they find you? Well, we've got our three locations, our uh, main office uh, on Louisville Avenue in Monroe, and we have our satellite locations in West Monroe uh, and also in, in Ruston. And we have, um, just a reminder, we have our daily uh, injury clinic that uh, occurs at about uh, 10 o'clock each morning. That's a that's a walk-in clinic for people who've been injured. And, and then we also have our after-hours clinics uh, at night uh, uh, that begin at 5 and run to 8, and then on Saturday mornings uh, from 8 uh, till 11. And uh, those are both located at the Louisville office. Thanks for the time, bud. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Dr. Saul Graves. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, uh, Brooke Storr joins us as Lady Texters get ready for a big week. Hit us up on the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. We'll get to a number of your texts coming up in the next segment also. The Morning Drive, back after this. 
growth, efficiency, professionalism, qualified staff. It's what all healthcare facilities are aspiring for, and that is what we do. Legacy Rehabilitation, offering physical, occupational, and speech therapy solutions for a wide variety of healthcare facilities, including acute care hospitals, inpatient rehab, long-term care facilities, and outpatient therapy clinics. Whether you have staffing, management, or consulting needs, Legacy is awaiting your call. Call 318-255-5980 for more information or visit LegacyRehab.net. Legacy Rehabilitation. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing with Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. We'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. Hey, this is Sean Fox, sports director here at 97.7, inviting you to join me in the rest of the sports company every day, Monday through Friday, from 3 to 6, for our unique, unfiltered take on the world of local and national sports. We're going to make you laugh. It might make you cry, and there's a pretty good chance at some point I'm going to make you mad. But we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. That's the Sports Company, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6, right here in your home for sports in North Louisiana, 97.7. Good morning, Louisiana. This is the Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. Welcome back to the show. We always look forward to catching up with Lady Texas head coach Brooke Storr. She joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline before she jumps on the treadmill. How are you doing this morning, Coach? Doing great. How's it going? How many how many miles are you going to get on the treadmill this morning? What what typically, oh, how, how far do you go? Depends on what day. Anywhere from three to five. Uh, after a frustrating road trip and of course uh, you're out on the road and doing different things, maybe even more today or this week? <laughs> Yeah, quite possibly. I've got a good bit of film to watch today, so I'll, I'll probably put that, hook my computer up to the TV and, and get going in there. I don't want to dwell too much on what took place last week. It was just a tough, tough week heading over to Florida with two tough losses and, then of course, with the travel issues. But I did see y'all playing Uno in the airport trying to kill time. Are you a pretty good Uno player? You know, I try to leave the the card games to the girls. I like spades. You know, I can I'll, I'll play spades, but yeah, you know, I'll leave the Uno and the Phase Ten and all that to them. They're they're pretty good at that. Uh, it's a weird circumstance on Thursday for you guys just getting down there. Then playing an early game, a tough loss, a lead that you had, then then you lost, then you follow that up on Saturday. When you walk off the court and you go to the locker room on Saturday, what is your message to the team about the tough trip to Florida? Well, I think that, you know, the biggest thing is if, if you don't learn from this and you don't use this failure as something that we can grow from and build on, then, you know, we're, we're looking at it entirely the wrong way. And, you know, my main message to them is I didn't feel like we had all 13 of them together on Saturday. And you can't go on the road and not have every single person locked in mentally and, and, 
physically and emotionally um, ready to give everything they have for the team. And I think that was the frustrating part for me. I think we had, you know, a couple here and a couple there where you'll have games where you won't have everybody at their best, but I just didn't feel like we had everybody together. And you can't have that on the road. You've got to be all locked in and and be ready to go. And I felt like, you know, after Thursday's game, we had great film session and practice on Friday and, um, felt like we were, you know, headed in the right direction, and um, they came out and hit some shots, and you know, we faced a little adversity with that of forcing a, um, a, a basically a six-three guard um, in Cedeno went, you know, just went nuts on us in the first half and scored 25, and um, we didn't do a very good job of, of defending and, and put them on the free throw line 33 times. When you're on the road, you've got to be very, you can't put people on the free throw line. You've got to be able to defend and rebound. Um, and do all those little things to give yourself a chance to win because you can't put so much pressure on your offense to be perfect when you're on the road. We just didn't do that. So the message was, you know, you got we got to get back and get better. And, um, you know, there's nobody in our league that doesn't have a, a league loss, at least one. And um, you, you keep getting better and continue to prepare yourself and try to put yourself in the best position possible for March. 12-7 and seven overall, 3-3 three and three in conference play, 19 games into the year. Is it still a work in progress offensively, finding uh, maybe not one or two, but perhaps a third consistent score? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's been our, our biggest thing. We've had, you know, flashes um, from different players that have been, you know, very good for us. But just that consistency of we need, we need to be able to go into a game and know, you know, any given night from these three players, this is what we're going to get. From these three players, this is what we're going to get offensively and I just we haven't had that consistently and I think that that's where this group is you know you can go you know we could say over oh, 19 games in you should have this figured out or there are days sometimes that our, our rotations we still don't you know know with eight new players and one senior it's still you know a work in progress and you know I think that that's what it always is you, you have a different team every year and you know I don't Nobody wants to be the best team in January. I want to be the best team in March. And, you know, if if we can continue to grow, we're not that far off. If we can continue to grow um, as a group and, and grow some individually, I think we'll we'll be just fine when we get to that point. We've just got to continue to try to set ourselves up to be in a good position for that for that moment. Quite a stretch of games coming up. Uh, the good news uh, for the next five, I believe, are at home, but they feature some of the powers in the conference. You look at this stretch. Uh, how vital is this for your team? Well, it's huge because it's it's at home, and you want to, in conference play, you've got to protect your home court. We've been pretty good at home this year. Um, I believe we're nine and one, and um, with the one loss being the Clemson and with our, our starting point guard out and um, we've got to be able to protect our home court. You, if you're going to give yourself a chance, you've got to win your home games and then be able to go get the, still the ones on the road that you can. And I think it's important for this group. We've been on the road 10 of the last 14 days and um, four straight games on the road and some difficult trips. We've got to take advantage of being at home and, and playing in front of our fans and just be able to go out and get better and execute. Again, I think it's our focus can't be on, anything other than what do we have to do today at practice to get better as a group and to be better individually, and then that will carry over until tomorrow in our preparation and then Friday's game. So that's where our focus is with this group. And, you know, as a staff, we're trying to put them in the in the best position to be um, successful. Uh, it starts Friday against uh, Old Dominion at home, a 6.30 tip. Uh, what are you anticipating from them? Well, you know, they've won their last two. Um, they they kind of have a short roster and a coaching change and had some players leave. And, um, 
it just their roster's a little bit depleted uh, from where it was last year. They had uh, the conference's player of the year last year um, on their team and can really score. So they've got a, a interior player um, inside that that's going to um, be able to score. We've got to do a great job in transition defense. I thought defensively last week we were really um, not very good, and we've got to be great in transition front back get our defense set and force people to score over the top of us and then uh, defensive rebound and go get out offensively and run in transition so I think for us we're looking for you know get back to holding people in the 50s and and make sure that we give ourselves a chance to be successful on the offensive end because of our defense a big weekend for you guys on and off the court a lot of uh, former lady textures coming back this weekend how cool is that going to be to see some of your old teammates Oh, it's awesome. I'm excited. Um, I've seen a few of them, you know, through the years. Um, saw a couple of them last year on the road at road games. They were close to where they live. And um, for, for them, some of them haven't been back in a while. And so for, for that group, I think it's our senior year that's being honored, Coach Farmer's last team. We're excited to, to see each other and, you know, make contact with all, all of them. And uh, we've been really trying to get them back. And, um, you know, it's hard for sometimes for the, the females in the reunion because, a lot of them coach and so they're usually always coaching their own team and the schedules are a little bit different so we're excited um i'm, I'm excited for our current players to be able to meet some of them and hear their stories and um just i think it, it gives your team a little extra added motivation knowing that you know we talk about those people that have played here before and some of the greats um a lot with our team our current team and for them to actually see them um and hear you know hear their words and what what their time here at Tech meant to them, um, I think it's pretty special. Brooke, as always, we appreciate the time. Good luck this weekend at home. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Brooke Store, Lady Texter's head coach, joined us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. You realize in her college career that she only lost one conference game. Mm. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, yesterday I had the opportunity to sit down with the legendary, the Hall of Fame, uh, Leon Barmore, uh, really, some great stuff just on the, the tradition of the Lady Textures, uh, how it all started, how it really started rolling along. Uh, we'll share some of that interview with you here in the near future. And then, of course, a lengthy uh, TV segment coming up in the near future. Very cool. Right. <clears throat> Let's get to some of these texts. Um, Doug asks, do you think Ravel Boys basketball can take state this yeah. year? <laughs> yes. Yes. Can I get can I get a definite prediction yes. from you? Yes. <laughs> I think so, Doug. Uh, they got a big one, big one coming up Saturday. They'll square off against uh, Riverside down in uh, Scotlandville's having a little bit of a showcase, a little bit. Of, I don't even know what they call this thing, but uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Ravel versus Riverside should be pretty good. The fact Ravel has an unbeaten record, but put it on the line Saturday. Big challenge. Mm-hmm. The the real question, Doug, is whether or not Ravel will go undefeated. I think we're all pretty confident that they'll win state. I think we're just trying to wait and see if they go unblemished this year. Mm. Sorry, Quint, we just saw this text. I just saw this text about uh, Brooke. What's the main thing that needs to improve to bring Lady Texters back to national prominence? We'll ask that question to her uh, next week. The big thing is the landscape has changed so much now with the money and the dollars that are invested into the uh, Power 5 schools. Yeah, so you're always playing catch-up. Keep the text coming, 888-993-7762. After the break, uh, Keith Richard joins us for his weekly visit. Warhawks, glad to be back at home. 
What else are we going to discuss in the 8 o'clock hour? Dude, I got NBA storylines for days. We got to get to them. I know, I know you. you I just want to hear you read LeBron congratulating LeBron. I'll read it. I'll read that whole post. I also got some good quotes from uh, Kevin Durant from last night to read about him getting ejected. Just good stuff all around. Golden State with, what, like 40 assists last night? Durant had a career-high 14. That's sharing the ball. That's what they do, man. That's why they're the best. The Morning Drive on the all-new Sports Talk 97.7 is back after this. Thanks for listening to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.